Hello and welcome to episode 48 of North Point Plus. 48. We're 40. getting there. Is We're there getting anything significant about 48? Uh, there probably is somewhere. <laughs> There's probably some biblical meaning that people are shouting out right <laughs> now. Like, I can't remember. You can't believe you don't remember this 48th thing. Nah. Whatever. That's fine. I'm glad you remember it. Glad they're smart enough to remember it. <laughs> you can you can leave a comment on what it should have been. Uh, this is our follow-up podcast, North Point Plus. Uh, for those that are new, that are unfamiliar, uh, we gather together every Sunday, and we get together uh, on Sundays to sing together, dive into the Word together, uh, do life together. Uh, and then this podcast on Tuesdays is just a way to continue that fellowship, to continue having conversation, to continue diving into the Word. Um, I am one of your hosts, Mark Adkins, and I'm joined for the first time, for the first time ever, yeah, on the North Point time. Podcast, Andy Acker. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, everyone. How's it going? It's doing well. Good, 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 good. Uh, so you spoke on Sunday. I did. For the first time in a while. Second time total, but yeah, first, first time, time in a while. while. Yeah. Uh, how'd that go? It went great. Good. I think uh, I heard a lot of cool feedback, a lot of great good. Uh, conversations that I heard from people. So I, I was super encouraged by this experience. Good. That's a blast. Yeah, it's it's that's the best part is usually diving into the conversations afterwards. That's yeah. What people took away. That's that's a ton of fun. I wasn't there in person, but I joined in the live stream. So shout out to all my live, <laughs> my live stream groupies. <laughs> um, yeah. So we're working through our series on Colossians uh, yep. and we um, had a shorter passage this past Sunday where we just dove into, I think, two verses. Yeah, two verses. <laughs> uh, but I love that. Uh, I don't know. It just shows the richness of the word of God that even with two verses, we can still take the same amount of time diving in. Um, but you took us through Colossians 3, 16 through 17. That is correct. Correct. Yeah. Um, so kind of give people, I guess, like the 30 second recap or the 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 30,000 foot view of what we talked about on Sunday. What's the big takeaway from Sunday? Yeah, absolutely. So the big takeaway would be that we need to have the word dwelling in us. Uh, this idea that God's word is transforming for us and it shapes us in how we act and everything that we do and the things that we do, the things we say. Um, so, yeah, that that's the real quick overview. Of yeah. No, I loved <laughs> Um, I was like, I was taking notes next to Julie when we were watching the live stream because I loved that distinction of does the word of God dwell in you or do you dwell in the word of God? And I was like, oh, that's such a good picture of we we so often think of like, oh, I just need to like, I need to read my Bible more and get this kind of quantitative look at uh, scripture. So the more time I spend in scripture, then I will just dwell in the word of God. But like you said, it, that's not what the passage says. The yeah. passage says, let the word of God dwell in you, not the other way around. And, um, and that's I, an important distinction. I think it is a both and. I right. mean, you right. have to be dwelling personally into it. So you have to be making the time to invest into it yep. and uh, be putting forth the effort. And in right. The effect of that is that the scripture will dwell in you as well. Yep. Yeah. It's yeah. It's it's a good distinction and recognizing you can't have one without the other. Yeah. So good stuff. Cool. Well, we got a bunch of questions, which is good. Thanks for submitting questions. Uh, the first is just uh, from a curious congregational couple. That's that's the name that came through. Uh, on a scale of one to ten, how nervous was Andy about this week? Uh, and so you had shared in your message, I think, and this this question came through before the message you'd even started. <laughs> so uh, it wasn't that someone was observing that you were nervous. Uh, but you had m mentioned in your message that you have a history of not really liking public speaking. Yeah. <laughs> you I, were admonished, which we'll get to later. <laughs> I don't know if people actually enjoy public speaking. I just think it's something people do. Maybe there's some weird person out there that really does enjoy public speaking. Oh, <laughs> there we go. Mark's one of those. <laughs> yeah, I'm one of the... Um, but I mean, I went through phases where I was super nervous. I yeah. had moments where I'm like, I feel great about this. And then I had... Yeah. Uh, 
doubts and I'm like, wow, everything sucks about this. Like, I don't want to <laughs> present this at all. And um, So there were definitely moments. And even between the services, I was more comfortable the first service yep. than I was the second service Yep, speaking. And it's just weird how I already did it once. It went fine the first <laughs> service. I thought it went well. I had great feedback. But yeah. uh, the second service, I actually felt more nervous for. Yep. Um, I don't know if I could ever rate any moment on a scale from <laughs> 1 to 10 because it fluctuates that much between right. Right. Uh, times. And, I mean, the best thing that I've learned to do with my public speaking, especially when I'm preaching, um, is to realize that I put in the prep work. I did the research. I did yeah. what I can. And I just have to give that over to God and say, the rest is yours. You work through the people, you work through me, and we're going to get this together. Yeah, I love that. Um, I'm an idiot, and I just realized that on this camera, the light pole (laughs) is in the frame. So you're going to see me disappear for a second. This is a look behind the scenes in the North Point (laughs) Plus. This is a very real moment. This is a humiliating, humbling (laughs) moment for me. Uh, And Andy can just vamp for like 20 seconds as I readjust this camera shot. Are we going to cut this? No, we're keeping it in because it's real. (laughs) it's better i was gonna say it was close i know i always (laughs) check it i always check it religiously (laughs) i go through each shot that shot's clean this shot's clean and i couldn't see it on the edge of the frame because it's a big black line and i thought oh it looks fine so just so you guys know i don't know if we're actually cutting this or not but (laughs) mark says we're not there's a tv screen right next to me it's so tempting to look over (laughs) um but that's the real look behind the scenes so yes Oh, right. That was humbling. <laughs> On a scale of 1 to 10, how much did that annoy me as a 10? <laughs> I hate making Especially when like you that. go through and you make those checks. Like <laughs> I know. Uh, but I was out this weekend. I was on vacation, so I'm still adjusting. So yeah, vacation brain fog. Yeah, yeah. We'll blame it on that. We'll blame it on. We'll blame it on family. <laughs> <laughs> family vacations. Um, we had another question that came in. Uh, this question from Rachel. Uh, thanks for doing the podcast. Really like watching it. I had uh, sometimes wished I could raise my hand and ask a question during the sermon. Well, this is a good opportunity for you to do that, <laughs> Rachel. Uh, I would also sometimes turn, turn to Dan and ask questions. Uh, my question, can Andy sing the Daniel Tiger song? I didn't quite catch it. <laughs> you know, it's actually recorded online. So I would encourage you to go back and listen to that. Uh, because of copywriting, though, we can't read or I can't sing it here. I don't want to get our... Uh, uh, YouTube page taken down <laughs> over this. Yes, that would be that would be the uh, the salt in my wound <laughs> after the mistake I've already made that our YouTube channel get, channel gets stricken because Andy is singing the Daniel Tiger song. <laughs> so no, we won't be doing that. No, but yeah, it's on the live stream, so you can go back and watch that. Um. Okay, now we're diving into some questions uh, that some kind of deal with what we dealt with last week uh, with Rick's message. Some are about this message, and some are just uh, totally different, and uh, that's great. We'll talk about those, too. Yeah. Uh, so one of the questions um, to give context to, so last week, um, Rick had a message that really dealt with forgiveness, and we talked about that a lot in the podcast. And so this question comes in, if I have difficulty forgiving someone, should I be baptized? So Andy, you weren't in those messages or in those podcasts, but I'm curious what you think. If we have trouble forgiving someone, should we be baptized? Yeah, like you said, I don't have the background. I don't know what you guys said in the last podcast. I haven't had a chance to uh, watch those with preparing this message and with GLS this past week. Right, um, right. But my answer would be yes, of course. I mean, we're not baptized because we're perfect. Mm. We're right. baptized because we're being made new in Christ. It's right. a symbol that we're washing away sin and... Um, while that cleansing's a present 
cleansing, it also yeah. extends into the future. You have to realize that uh, nobody's perfect. Mm. Um, so if forgiveness is what you struggle with, like that's what you struggle with. It's not an excuse to uh, hold grudges. It's something yeah. that you're going to be constantly working towards. Yep. Um, just like everyone else has something that they're constantly working towards. Nobody's perfect. Yeah. And uh, that shouldn't get in the way of you getting baptized. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I, don't, I don't really know what I would add to what you said. I think it's it's recognizing why we're baptized in the first place. Um, and we're not we aren't baptized when we reach a certain level of holiness or when we reach a certain level of our own cleanliness. Uh, except for the fact, you know, we're looking at how we're cleansed through Christ. And so when I place my faith in Christ, immediately I am saved. I'm justified. That's the fancy theological yep. word that I'm, I'm declared innocent before Christ. And so in that moment, I am clean. And baptism is a recognition of that uh, kind of separation from the old self. That's why you have that picture of the old being buried in baptism and the new being raised up. And so baptism is this uh, partly symbolic and also partly spiritual experience of what God is doing in your life. And so should you wait to be baptized until you no longer have difficulty forgiving, uh, I would swap that out with any other sin that we struggle yeah. with. Should I wait to be baptized and still I no longer struggle with pride or lust or anger or greed? It's like, no. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> yeah, go be baptized. And if you have questions about baptism and what it means to be baptized, Rick released a great video. Yep, yep. Um, I've watched it two or three times. I've already been baptized, <laughs> but I think it's so important to know why we're baptized and what we're doing when we get baptized. So I would encourage you to go check out that uh, video on the YouTube channel too. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. I totally I forgot we did that. I don't know if Mark can link it like in the comments or something. Yeah, I can but, try to, if I remember. But I've uh, already made a mistake today. <laughs> <laughs> so if I remember, I'll put it in the description. But if I forget, um, if, just, you, if you go to our YouTube channel and search uh, like North Point, baptism or something there's like a 40 minute video that rick's done yeah it's the only long video there there's some baptism videos of stories but yeah um yeah, yeah. that's a great point that's and great even point. watch other people's stories of why they chose to be baptized i think yep there's uh something powerful in uh other people's witness to christ and their yeah. dedication to christ and why uh how they chose to follow christ like there's something really cool about yeah. people sharing their testimony and their yeah. life with christ in that too yeah and i don't want to i don't want to speak for rick I don't, i'm not I'm not Rick. I don't know no. if people knew that. Surprise. <laughs> uh, but I know one of the things Rick often brings up when it comes to baptism is this concept of a, a pledge of a clear conscience. There's there's scripture that talks about we're baptized for the pledge of a clear conscience. So I would, if I'm if I'm trying to enter into Rick's brain, which is a dangerous thing, <laughs> <laughs> I would look at this question and say, maybe, maybe the thing that God is asking you to do is that you will forgiveness could become easier for you if you take the step of baptism, that you maybe have difficulty forgiving others because you have difficulty understanding that you are forgiven. Yeah. Um, and so having that that experience, that symbolic and spiritual experience of baptism um, where you fully recognize and trust that you have been forgiven, that you are brought into the family of God, um, is a marker that you can continue to look back on and say, oh, because I have this clear experience of my forgiveness, it becomes maybe a little easier to at least understand why I need to forgive others. It doesn't yeah. make that whole process easier. Um, but that's one of the cool things about baptism is it's not just this like, you're dunked in the water and then you're done. Yeah, It becomes this kind of lifelong experience for us that we can look back on um, and understand the forgiveness that we've been given. Yeah, baptism doesn't make you perfect. <clears throat> Amen. 
Good stuff. All right. Now we're going to do your message. Um, so right. you talked about admonition to admonish. Um, Paul talks about in this letter that we are to teach and admonish one another. Uh, and so this question came in. How do we properly admonish someone in our life with God's word? What should that look like? So before we even dive into that, can you kind of recap what does it mean to admonish someone? That's not a word that we use. Yeah. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> I, I actually took quite a bit of time just to learn about this word because yeah. it's not a word that we use commonly. Yeah. And the best description or thought that I can give to this is that it's kind of a, a rebuke or yeah. a correction of an action or something that happened. I gave uh, the illustration that if you're in work and you get written up by your boss, that's technically an admo admonishment. Yeah. Um, it's kind of this, you're in trouble, but you're not going to get the full consequences of your mm. actions. Yeah. So if you fail to complete a project by a deadline or you show up late to work, you're probably going to get written up for those things. Yeah. Um, I, I also gave the uh, example of students that uh, if they're late to class or they're not turning in their homework and the teacher says the next time you miss this, you're yeah. going to get a detention. That's an admonishment of their behavior. Gotcha. Um, so the best thing I can say is it's a correction of something and when uh, something that's wrong in someone else's life. And when you go to admonish someone, when you go to correct someone, it's the idea that you want to do it out of truth and make sure uh, specifically it's out of biblical truth and not out of biblical opinion. Um, right. Because there's a lot of issues in the church, and I think North Point does a great job at this, is we have our major ideas, yep. and then there's minor ideas. And we're not going to correct people over the minor ideas, yeah. because we realize that there could be scripture evidence for both sides of those arguments. Yep. And so uh, make sure that when you're admonishing something, it is in biblical wisdom. Yeah. And then do it out of grace do it out of uh patience for the other person yeah um do it out of compassion for the other person you're doing it in a loving way and uh the thing that i don't necessarily like about this question is that every situation is so different right there's not a cookie cutter way there's i mean even admonish. even with the same person if you're trying to admonish your spouse or your kids um different situations call for different actions and different yeah. um processes. So um, I'd hate to give you this one <laughs> cookie cutter uh, piece of advice because you can't. I yeah. mean, right. um, every situation is going to be so different. You have to figure out just how to do it out of truth, out of love, out of respect for that other pe person. Yeah, I love that. I think I think there's so many good takeaways in that uh, of, of doing it in wisdom, which means not having the cookie cutter approach of, well, the last time I admonished Andy, I did this, and that kind of worked, so I'm just going to keep doing that same exact thing. Every Maybe I'll tweak one thing so it right. goes a little bit better this <laughs> right. time. Yeah, we always, I don't know, my, I have a, a dear friend of mine, we, we always joke that like we, we like to think that God always works in the exact same ways all the time because we tend to be very formulaic and humans like routine, and it's Almost like every time God does something in my life, he does it almost radically differently <laughs> just yeah. to show that, you know, working and developing in your life isn't always going to look exactly the same. Yeah. Um, and so I think remembering that is huge. Uh, and then, like you said, too, going back to scripture 
as our authority, um, because often I think the church has kind of earned this reputation of admonishing someone not on biblical authority, but on preference. Yeah. And so, I mean, you can bring up the kind of stereotypical examples of old churches of uh, no dancing and no playing cards and no doing this. And yeah. we admonish someone, we correct and rebuke someone, not because scripture says you can't dance, but because I feel like scripture leans towards this thing where it says you can't dance or dance in this way or play cards or watch rated R movies or whatever it might be. Yeah. Uh, and so we kind of lose or uh, I guess uh, a harsher way, a rebuke, a way to admonish the church would be to say that we cheapen the authority of scripture Absolutely, yeah. by bringing our own preference and opinion into this, into the situation rather than uh, with discernment entering into a situation where there's a clear need for admonishment and we just kind of abuse that whole situation because we've lost the authority of scripture and we're just entering our own preferences into the conversation. And so I think really entering into that conversation with a lot of prayer and preparation um, and understanding that you almost have to admonish yourself before you admonish someone else yeah. of like, God, would you remove my own pride from the situation? Like, don't let this be my correction and my rebuke and my preference, but God, let me like, let me center myself on your word. And usually there's a lot of correction that has to happen in my heart Absolutely. before I would ever go to someone else's heart. Um, Cause yeah, I think there's, <laughs> if I'm looking at my own life, there's a lot of times where I like eagerly look forward to the rebuking of someone and it's like that's not a good heart <laughs> like yeah. there's no grace in that there's no love in that that's stupid yeah you uh one thing i want to hit at too is um there's not an easy way to admonish someone no there there's a lot of prep work that goes into it you have to pray about it you have to make sure what you're saying is coming out of truth and out of yeah. love um so it's not an easy process yeah but when it's approached in a proper way it can be very impactful to you know, the relationship. I, yeah. If you don't admonish out of wisdom or out of truth, um, you can break relationships. You can mm -hmm. break it personally with that person, and yeah. then you can break it within a church community. And I, I would hate to break that correction or that yeah. relationship between a church uh, member and myself. I don't yeah. want to push people away from Christ in mm. uh, the way that I'm rebuking them. I want to always come out of a way of love and yeah. respect for that person. Yeah. Yeah. So great question. It's it's definitely worth wrestling with. And like we said, there's not there's not the one right way of admonishing. Yeah. Um, but I think the, the consistent things are going to be humble yourself, pray about it a lot, and always go back to scripture and don't don't add to it <laughs> like scripture yeah. there's enough correction and rebuke in scripture that we don't have to add to it ourselves yeah. so good principles there um next question this is an interesting one so you you had brought up in your message at some point about this concept of uh i'm trying to think of the specific phrasing it was basically does uh, what was it something about uh does your life reflect Jesus in everything. I don't, yeah. That might have been your exact phrase. I don't know why I struggled with that. Uh, but basically, you had talked about you know this concept of if Jesus was in your text message threads, and if Jesus was sitting next to you on the couch, and if Jesus was doing life with you, if he was really there, um, would your life reflect that? Yeah. Like, would you watch this? Would you text this? Would you say this thing if Jesus was right there next to you? So this question comes in, if I'm picturing Jesus in my life with me, does that mean I need to stop watching Netflix and things like that? <laughs> you know, that's a really good question. Um, I I don't want to trip up over this uh, yeah. because I feel like as Christians, we can say um, we can't watch certain things or we can't listen to certain things because we have to uphold this Christ Christianly image for everyone else. Yeah. And 
the way that I've lived my life personally is I don't watch things. I don't listen to things that'll become stumbling blocks for me that are going to yeah. pull me away from Christ. Yeah. Um, so uh, personally, I won't watch movies with demonic activity because I don't yeah. want to give that a foothold in my life. Right. Um, I'll watch Harry Potter. I love Harry Potter. I know someone's going to get mad that me. Uh, <laughs> I watch Harry Potter, yeah. but I think there's an art to that. There's yeah. a thing to be appreciative about that. Um, I realize that Harry Potter's not real, so it's not going to affect the rest of my life. I'm sure. not going to start doing sorcery somewhere <laughs> because I watched Harry Potter. Gosh, I wish I would have worn my <laughs> Harry Potter shirt today. But uh, the biggest thing I could say is don't let something become a stumbling block for you. Yeah. And I think there are certain stumbling blocks for people. I mean... Yep. Um, pornography, like pornographic images, that yeah. can be a stumbling block for a lot of people. Right. So don't watch movies or shows right. with that in it. Um, right. I I think there's the separates or the separation though. Yeah, is realizing there's an art to this versus right. this is just raunchy graphic, uh, right. just for the money kind of thing. Yep. Yeah, I think it's it's. Um it's understanding that if I, if, and we're kind of toying with the language because we say like, if I'm picturing Jesus doing life with me, the reality is that Jesus is doing life with you. That was the yeah, whole point of your message. Always. It's like Jesus is there whether you like it or not. So yeah. Jesus is in your text messages and is with you as you're watching Netflix on the couch. So the reality is that with Jesus in our lives with us, that there will be things that we don't do. Like you said, like for your life, you've kind of put this um, guardrail up that says, you know, I'm just not going to enter into demonic activity stuff. Yeah. I don't want to deal with it. That's good. Like it's good for us to have principles yeah. like that. We can, that we can apply in our life and say, Hey, for me and how Jesus is working in my life, I just need to put up these guardrails. So I'm not going to be on my phone after 10 o'clock. I'm not going to be alone with this coworker. I'm not going to send these types of text messages to my, uh, my guys group text message thread. Cause I know it just devolves into something that I don't need to be a part of. So it, it's, of course, doing life with Jesus is going to put up guardrails because if we're acknowledging that he's with us, he's going yeah. to be working with us and he's going to kind of pull on your heartstrings a little bit and be like, Andy, like, do you need to watch that? Do you need to watch Harry Potter as a marathon every single day? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> but it doesn't mean you have to stop watching Harry Potter. And I think that's the big thing is I have this conversation with friends all the time that we tend to so easily kind of default into legalism because it's just so cut and dry that, yeah. you know, you just don't watch any movies with magic in it. So it's not even demonic activity. It's just anything with magic. So no Lord of the Rings, no Harry Potter, none of that. Get it all out and no dancing and no drinking yeah. and no entering into any type of uh, any type of alone time with anyone that's not your spouse. And we just, so we just kind of cut and dry all of that. And to some extent, for certain people, that might be a good thing. That might be what they need. But to make that a blanket application for the whole church, for everybody everywhere, it's just not something we see in Scripture. So the the good thing of, of where this question comes from is it kind of goes back to the admonishment question, that the answer isn't cut and dry, cookie cutter, the same yeah. for every single person. So there might be people out there that watch horror movies, and that's okay. That's fine. Yeah. 
Um, and we're not recommending that for everybody. <laughs> um, but we're not saying that as a Christian, it means you never watch horror movies. As yeah. a Christian, it means you never watch Harry Potter. As a Christian, it means you never listen to Eminem or Beyonce or whatever. Like, I don't even know what. <laughs> I'm so behind the times on music. <laughs> I like music from 20 years ago, and now I understand why my dad only listened to oldies because music today is just not good. I said it. Shots have been no, fired. It's not. <laughs> I've, shots have been fired, and I'm okay with it. Music today, not good. Go listen to stuff from 20 and 30 years ago. It's much better. Um, but that's I think the thing that we have to realize is living life with Jesus doesn't mean you can't have fun anymore. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't mean Jesus doesn't want you to watch things that are creative or go to musicals or like or anything like that. It means I'm constantly aware of Jesus' presence in my life and I'm evaluating, okay, is this really beneficial for my walk with Jesus? And for you, you might say, no, it's not. So I'm just not going to yeah. do that anymore. Um, and for someone else, they might say, actually, yeah, like, yeah, it's fine in my life. Um, and I think there's clear guardrails for all Christians. Like you said, pornographic material. Yeah, you're probably going to cut yeah. that out. <laughs> um, we're probably going to, we're, we're not going to okay that because that gets into something where we have clear scriptural authority that this is a principle that's clearly applied. Absolutely. But how that gets shaken out within the boundaries, um, it, it's going to look different for each person. So I'm rambling now. I'm going to give I was going to say, you. and let me also say that there's something really cool about the entertainment that we have around us yeah um it's an exaggerated real ex or uh, it's a real example of what's happening around us yeah yep. um so you can see real life things that are happening through media realize that yep. it's an exaggeration of that yep but you can see how culture is shifting and see where culture is at through the media that's the art yeah. form yep. of it so you can turn and look at this hot new show that's out. You can look yeah. at uh, Stranger Things right. and uh, realize this is where culture is at. This is where culture is engaging. Mm. And you can use that as a cultural reference point, even though um, you might not agree with someone about Stranger right. Things. You can learn about that person through the yeah. art or literature or music that yep. they're listening to. Yeah, that's a great point. We this is getting really nerdy for people. So there's some <laughs> people that probably don't care about this. But when I was an art major in college, I took oh. art history. Uh, and one of the things we always talked about was art reflects history. And yeah. so you can go back to um, historical moments like World War One and World War Two, And before that, you know, you have things like Spanish flu and like these these worldwide events. And you can see how in art, not just in like the fine arts like painting, um, but in photography and music and in movies and in television, like the art reflects the mentality of the culture at the time. And so you have these moments where like during the world wars, art both in music and in media and in fine arts gets really, really dark and depressing. And so yeah. you kind of by engaging, not being transformed by those arts, but by engaging with those arts, you kind of get your finger on the pulse of the world. Yeah. You're like, that seems like everyone's really depressed <laughs> and in need of hope. Yeah. And so the church, by engaging with that, um, it goes back to what Paul says in Romans about, I think it's in Romans, about being in the world, but not of the world. Yeah. Um, and I think that's an important balance that living life with Jesus teaches us how to do. I'm glad you referenced that verse because I was about to say that too. <laughs> so Good. Good stuff. Hopefully that's enough to wrestle with for you. Um, that's something that 
I'll probably continue to wrestle with for the rest of my life. So, yeah. Uh, last question. Uh, and I was looking at this. I don't think we talked about this in the message. No, we didn't. But this is the fun thing about questions that come in is sometimes questions come in where it's like, where where did that come from? <laughs> and it might be that this is just something that, that the person's dealing with in their own life or maybe you said something in your message that just like prompted them to be like, oh, I never thought about this. So they'll just ask the question. So if you have that, uh, submit those questions. I love, I love seeing all these random questions that come in. So uh, last question for today. Why don't we see miracles today like we see in the Old Testament? And I would say even in the New Testament, yeah. there's there's miraculous things that happen. So, Andy, what happened? Did we just like lose all our faith? Do miracles no longer happen? What's going on in the world? I would say that miracles happen now just as much as they happened in the Old Testament and the yeah. New Testament. They just look very, very different because of where we are culturally. Yeah. Um, I think the big thing that people look to when they think of miracles is the medical field and mm. Um, all the advances that we've had, we credit those to the people that founded them. Yeah. But God gave them that wisdom. Yeah. The yep. fact that uh, cancer can be dated back thousands of years. Like right. people knew what cancer was. Right. But it wasn't until 200 years ago or so yeah. that uh, radiation therapy was founded to be a thing. Yeah. And then beyond that, um, it wasn't put into practice for years after that because they had to make it a safe way. Right. Um, that wisdom comes from God. It's not right. Um, right. random people just doing random things and just coming up with an answer. Yeah. Um, for the prescriptions you take, um, I'm a diabetic. I said that in the sermon on Sunday, insulin is a right. huge thing. If it's it wasn't miracle. for insulin, I wouldn't be here. It's right a miracle now. that you're very thankful uh, for. <laughs> if I lived 200 years ago, I wouldn't be yeah. alive right now because of that. Um, yeah. we don't, we just don't give credit to the miracles that we see to be with God. And yeah. I mean, we can also look at examples of maybe you had a near miss car accident that if mm. the car were to hit another foot back, then you might be dead. Yep. Um, but instead it hit the front of your car and messed up the engine, told your car that could be a miracle as well. I mean, right. you just have to decide where you're pulling your idea of what a miracle is. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's great perspective. And I think we, we certainly don't give credit to, to, and we, again, this goes back to cheapening the authority of scripture. <laughs> we often just cheapen the, uh, the value of what a miracle is by saying like, oh, well, that's just like, like humans are doing that all the time. So it's not really a miracle anymore. Like there's so many diabetics that, that their lives are saved through insulin that like now it's not even a miracle because exactly, it's yeah. so commonplace. Um, and I don't think that's the heart behind the question. I, I think the kind of the heart behind the question is you have these examples like this, this crazy supernatural stuff like the parting of the Red Sea and the healing of the Israelites by looking at a bronze serpent. And in the New Testament, you have people walking on water and demons being cast out and people being raised from the dead. Um, and so I think we can look at the world today. And I think you brought up a great point of just where we're at in our culture today that the especially Western culture is not superstitious. No. Um, and, and it's not to say that, you know, because people in the Old Testament and New Testament were dumber, that they were more susceptible to miracles. That's not what I'm saying. I'm, I'm saying I think the enemy is very smart. And so Satan knows that, you know, it's just easier to kind of propel, especially Americans, propel them into logic and reason and science and so you can kind of just explain away all of these things like we yeah. do with insulin. Like, ah, oh, it's just normal, commonplace. It's just the natural progression of science. So it's not really a miracle. It doesn't count as a supernatural manifestation of God working. It's just, it's just normal science stuff. Um, 
And so I would say if you're looking for examples of miracles today, step outside of America <laughs> and see what ha- is happening in churches. I mean, there um I spent time in Costa Rica, my wife has spent time in Zambia, and the stuff that just like the spiritual warfare that happens outside of this western culture where everything is filtered through the lens of science and reason and logic and we can explain everything away. Um just by by looking at it through that lens, man, God is on the move and some crazy things where I have experienced healing by people praying over me. Like I've, I've shared on the podcast before, I have constant back pain. And so by just having people pray over me, I felt uh, relief through that. Um, migraines, hearing stories and reading books. I mean, th- that's the cool thing too is we have so much access to information that people have written books on like, here's a list yeah. of miracles that we've seen in our church um, of people that have had tumors that shrink and go away and people that have back pain again, that goes away. People that were on death's door and were, and they, yep. the doctor's explanation is like, I, <laughs> we have no idea what happened medically, but like this person's alive and they shouldn't be. So there's constant examples of that. And so again, kind of bring that back around there are these supernatural things that happen and we just tend to kind of look at it and be like, eh, it was probably nothing. It's probably just a, the doctor probably made a mistake and the tumor was already shrinking. And you know, we explain it away with science. Do, uh, you, do, sorry, you, do you know what the purpose of miracles were in, through the old and new Testament? I feel like you're going to share it with me. I mean, <laughs> I, I'd love to see what you have to say first, yeah. but I have an idea. Yeah. You share your idea and then I'll, I'll, sh- <laughs> I'll shame you by <laughs> All right. No. So I, I think when God was sharing miracles with people through other people, it was a way to show his sovereignty to his people. It was showing that he was God. Yep. And sometimes I think we miss that in our lives. When Jesus is working in our lives, that could be a miracle. I mean, um, maybe you were looking for a job because you've just had a horrible job experience or you were tight on cash mm. and all of a sudden out of nowhere you got this job or this side gig or maybe even someone just gifted you with a hundred dollars and that was exactly what you needed in that moment. Yeah. That is a miracle right, right. there. Yep. I mean, um, I think we can say miracles are the moments where God is working in our lives to do things that just no one can explain. Yeah. Yep. hundred percent. And I think especially looking in the New Testament where you have these examples of Jesus doing these miraculous things of, of healing people that haven't walked for 30 years and spitting in people's eyes and healing their blindness. Um, almost all of those miracles, I would say all of those miracles at some point are tied to sharing who Jesus is. Like Jesus isn't just walking around being like, you're healed, you're healed, you're healed. Like there's a purpose behind those miracles to, again, like you said, demonstrate his power, his sovereignty, that he is the chosen Messiah. Um, and then to use that as an opportunity to spread the kingdom of God. Um, and so I, I, I look at the miracles in my own life, like, uh, you know, we just celebrated our daughter's one-year birthday. Uh, and the fact that she's alive is a miracle. Yeah. Um, it's a medical miracle. Um, I, I can't remember if I've talked about it on the podcast before. I know I shared it on social media that Julie, my wife, was in a high-risk pregnancy. And basically was told, I mean, the long story shortened, is if she goes into labor, your daughter will die. Um, yeah. Your daughter's going to bleed out. And they were able to catch this through the medical miracle of like really advanced ultrasounds and well-trained doctors and this incredibly rare thing that's life-threatening for the child. Like, again, if we go, if we rewind the clock, just like with diabetics, if you rewind the clock 50 years, Grace would just be dead. Like, yeah. they, they didn't know what would happen. They would have just been a lot of, they'd be dead. Um, so even having the medical miracle that we can point back to 
is not just to point back to and say like, wow, we're so thankful that the miracle happened. It's how do we tell the story of that miracle and give glory to God and say like, my daughter's alive because God cares for her because God's a great physician. Andy is alive (laughs) and is able to manage diabetes because God cares for him and is a great physician and uses all of that to point to his sovereignty, his control, his power, his glory. Um, So yeah, do miracles still happen? Absolutely. We just got to look for them. Exactly. Good stuff. Cool. Well, that's all the questions we have, unless there's a, a, a one that snuck in, but uh, let me check my email really quick. I don't want to... Nope. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> that's all the questions. Uh, Andy, is there anything you want to leave people with uh, on this this topic of admonishment and being in the Word and God's Word's transforming and, and all that that you talked about on Sunday? Yeah. I would say just let the Word dwell in you. And I've mentioned how... Um, it's a two-way street. You got to put in the effort for it. It's not going to be easy. It's not always going to be fun, mm. but when you have the word in you, everything changes for you. Yeah. Um, you know how to act better. You know how to live better. You can be a better husband or wife, a better parent, a better child, a better mm. student, a better worker, um, a better community member. Everything yeah. changes in your life when you're yeah. able to have that word and the truth dwell in you and you're able to pass that along to other people yeah yeah it's so good love it cool well that's all we got on my end so uh thanks for submitting questions thanks for keeping the conversation going uh be sure to do all the good social media stuff like the video share the video share it with some friends uh start uh, start some good conversations and uh andy thanks for your time appreciate it thanks for speaking thank you guys and we'll see you next week